The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Well, I certainly hope that all of you had a great Thanksgiving weekend last weekend, and I have the same feelings about this weekend that Steve does. This is always one of my favorite weekends to be here at Faith because all of the Christmas decorations are finally out, and you all bring back all these amazing presents that you have for all the kids that you have sponsored through gifts for all God's children. And I don't know about you, but for me, anytime I look at just a big old stack of presents like this, I can just kind of feel the joy and the excitement that a whole bunch of kids in our community are going to experience in just a couple of weeks because of your amazing generosity. In fact, this year, this year, you all are sponsoring, you're bringing Christmas joy to 627 kids all throughout our community, which is absolutely amazing. Last year, last year, you all were incredible. You sponsored almost 500 kids. This year, you just blew the roof off because you've sponsored an additional 130 kids and adults to let them know that Jesus loves them, and so does his church. And so I just want to thank you for being such an incredibly amazing and generous group of people, people who love people and people who want to make sure they know that they are loved by their Heavenly Father and their Savior. And I also want to thank you especially for helping to raise the reputation of Jesus' church in this community and in so many communities throughout our little corner of the world. Thank you so much for your love and your generosity in doing that. Now, many of you know that Autumn and I, that we have two boys, Joe and Nathan, and you also know that, uh, for many of you at least, you know that this fall was a big kind of transition for us and our family, um, because our younger son, Nathan, he went off to college in California to join his older brother, Joe, out there, and so now both of our kids are in college out in California. Um, Joe's at Pepperdine, Nathan is at Concordia, Irvine. And, and so you also, if you know me, you know that I was a little nervous about this whole transition thing that was happening in our family. Um, because again, those of you who are parents, you get this, right? It's just kind of weird to think about not having, you know, your kids around, okay? And so I was just kind of anxious about this whole thing, especially as they get older because they become more fun to be with at that point, right? They're, right? Not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, they're just more fun, right, when they get to be a little bit older. And so for any of you, right, for any of you maybe who are right now where I was a year ago and you're kind of looking at that whole empty nest thing and you're not sure about all that, Let me just say this, empty nest is awesome, right? (laughs) My house stays clean, there is food in my refrigerator, my gas tank isn't suddenly empty all the time, right? Autumn and I actually get to express complete thoughts and sentences to each other, right? We get to talk to each other. Empty nest is awesome. Do not fear the empty nest, Okay, but seriously though, seriously, we loved, we did, we absolutely loved the age and stage of parenting that we were in where we had our kids with us all the time, and we really do, we look forward to every moment that they come home, every break they come home, we look forward to having them at summer um, when they're with us, but we also, what we also, and this what this helped us to remind each other of, is that we also just really enjoy spending time with each other. We really enjoy being alone together and having each time together as a couple. And see, the truth is, we want that for all of you, right? We want that for all of you. Whether you're married or not married, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, what we want for you is happiness. And so um, I want to give you a little bit of maybe the, the context and a little bit of the heart um, behind what it is that I want to talk to you 
about today that has to do with our series called Happy and what we're going to spend a few moments talking about together today. Um, and part of this, um, part of this, understand, part of this is a result of our ages. Um, part of this is a result of our professions, right? I'm a pastor, obviously. Um, my wife, Autumn, is a uh, clinical psychologist who specializes in marriage and family therapy, right? So a part of this is the way that God has just wired the two of us up. Um, part of this is a result of what it is that we've experienced in life together as a couple. Um, and, and so um, this is just kind of what we want and what I want to share with you. But one of the things that, uh, that really genuinely breaks our hearts and breaks my heart is when we see people moving in a direction or making decisions in life that ultimately will undermine their own happiness. And, and see, the truth is, every single one of us, we have seen this happen in our lives before, right? Where you, you, you've seen this happening in the life of somebody else where you can kind of see it coming, right? And it's kind of like a, a car accident happening in slow motion, right? And it's not that you're just so smart or that you have a crystal ball or anything like that. It's none of that. It's just that you're kind of old enough to know and you're kind of, you know, been around long enough to know, and you can see what's coming. And see, the thing that's so tragic about this whole situation is that the truth is there is enough unavoidable pain in each one of our lives without any of us actually adding more unnecessary pain to our lives, right? Isn't that true? Right? In fact, one of the things that you believe that Jesus said is true, regardless of what you actually believe or don't believe about Jesus, is Jesus said that in this life you will have trouble, and that is true, right? That is true. And so with all the unavoidable pain and trouble that there is in the world, why in the world would any of us want to actually add any more unnecessary trouble to our lives ourselves, and so it breaks my heart when I see people um, doing things and moving in a direction that ultimately, right, ultimately, not initially, not immediately, right, because then we wouldn't do it, would we? But when we're making decisions and choices that ultimately end up undermining our own happiness. And so what I've seen and what I've observed and what I want to spend a few moments just talking about with you today as we continue in our series called Happy is that one of the reasons, one of the reasons, in fact, why we do oftentimes undermine our own attempt at happy is, in fact, because of the confusion that exists between two words. And it's these two words right here on the screen. It's pleasure and happiness. Now, to get us started with this whole discussion, I want to remind you of something that Jesus said, that if you've been in church or if you've grown up in church, you've undoubtedly heard these words before. Take out your Bible, open them up to John chapter 10 which is on page 1,666 if you're using one of those Bibles in the seat back in front of you. John chapter 10, Jesus, in verse 10, Jesus speaks these very, very familiar words. And Jesus says this. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, when you read these very famous words of Jesus, especially in the context of what else he says in John chapter 10, it becomes incredibly clear here that the word that we translate as the word thief is hugely significant, right? Because it's actually the, the Greek word kleptos, which means a thief, right? But because of the words in front of it, it can mean both an ordinary run-of-the-mill type thief, or it can also mean a very, very specific thief, 
And so in this way, it's kind of like the word jello. It can mean any gelatinous substance with artificial color and flavor added, or it can be a very specific substance with artificial color and flavor added. And I know that doesn't make any sense to you, but to me, this makes all the sense in the world. Right? It's the exact same thing. Right? And so what Jesus is saying is that the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. And so he means both a thing, but he also means anything. Anything that comes into someone else's life and steals something, kills something, or destroys something. Jesus would say that person or that thing is a thief. And so this is what brings us to the obvious and yet not so obvious question as we talk about this whole subject of happy today, which is just simply this. Right? Who or what in your life actually has the greatest potential to steal your future from you, kill your relationships, or destroy your life? In essence, to make you and to make me right, not happy. And see, the answer to this question, unfortunately, is the exact same for every single one of us. It's the person that you look at every single morning when you look in the mirror. Because you have the capacity and I have the capacity to do more to undermine our own and my own and your own happiness than anybody else. In fact, the uncomfortable truth for every single one of us is that if I'm honest and I look back on my own seasons and circumstances and events of unhappiness in my life, I am the common denominator in every single one of those events. And as much as we oftentimes are tempted to try to blame other people for our own unhappiness, the truth is, I have the potential and you, you have the potential to be your own thief. And as much and as easy it is to to ignore this truth, Jesus says that the one who comes into your life and steals something, steals your future, kills something, kills your relationships, or destroys something, Jesus says that person or that thing is a thief. And then he goes on, and he makes this extraordinary, extraordinary statement. He says, but I, meaning Jesus... Right? In contrast to that, he says, but I have come that they, and the word they here means all those people who were listening to Jesus when he first spoke these words. So they is actually you they, and they is me they. Jesus says, but, they have, but I have come so that they may have life, and not just a regular amount of life, Jesus said, no, so that they could have it to the full. Now, our English word that we translate as the word full here does not do justice to what it is that Jesus, the emotion he was trying to create in the lives of people when he first spoke these words. But yet, if you memorize this particular verse, this very famous verse many years ago, maybe when you were a little kid, you might have learned this verse with a different word on the end of it. Anyone want to take a stab at what that word is? Abundantly. Right, abundantly, right on, which is a much better word than simply full, right? Because abundant means better than what is normally encountered, right? And so Jesus says, listen, I have come that you might have life, and not not even an average amount of life, but you might have come, that I have come that you might have life that is not even normally encountered. It is a way beyond average life. It is an amazing life. It's the kind of life that when people meet you, they go, wow. Wow, there is something different about that person. Good different, right? Amazing different. 
And the difference isn't that you haven't experienced any tragedies in life. The difference isn't that you haven't experienced heartbreak. The difference isn't that you've always gotten everything that you've wanted. No, that's not the difference. The difference is something that is internal that makes its way out into the way that you actually respond to life around you, to the world around you. And then in the very next verse, right, in the very next verse, Jesus makes this incredible statement about himself. Jesus says, he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us because we don't know anything about sheep and we don't know anything about shepherds. But in Jesus' day, right, this was the moment when his audience leaned in and they were like, okay, now you're saying something that we understand. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And it's like, okay, Jesus, what, what do you mean by good? Like, how good? Like, you're the friendly shepherd because you're nice to the sheep? Or maybe, Jesus, you're, you're the stay till the job is over shepherd. Jesus, is that what you mean by the good shepherd? And Jesus says, well, let me tell you what I mean. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this is so incredibly important for you to understand, especially if you're new to church or you're just coming back to church or if you've had a bad experience in church because, see, understand this. If somebody is actually willing to lay down their life for you, then they are for you. Right? If somebody is willing to actually give their life for you, then they are for you. And see, this is the exact opposite of what the thief does. Because the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come to give them life and to renew and to rebuild and to protect. And so here's the question that really you have to ask yourself. In fact, this is actually the question that we are presented with over and over and over again in the pages of this book. It's just simply this. Are, are you going to follow the thief? Or are you going to follow the shepherd? And see, here's the thing that's so interesting about this. right? I may at times be my own worst enemy, and there are probably times when you also are your own worst enemy, when you are your thief just like I am my thief. But you are not your only enemy. In the fact, the scriptures actually explain this. And what's so interesting about the scriptures is that all through the Bible, Old Testament and the New Testament, the scriptures always speak and describe sin as if sin were an entity, as if sin were a creature. Because sin is always at work trying to separate us. It's always trying to separate us, trying to separate us from God, trying to separate us from ourselves, trying to separate us from each other. In fact, if you don't believe this, then think about it this way. The reason why you have conflict in one of your relationships right now is either because you did something that somebody thinks is wrong or they did something that you think is wrong. Or, or maybe if you've ever said or if you've ever heard anybody say, okay, if I did that, I don't know how I would live with myself. Right? Think about that statement for a moment. I mean, what is that? That is sin separating us from ourselves. Right? Sin always separates. And so according to Jesus, right? according to Jesus, every single one of us, me and you, we all of us, we have an enemy out there, but we also have an enemy in here. 
And see, this is why. This is why so many times we undermine our own attempt at happy. But the question is why, right? Why is it that we do, why is it that I do, why is it that you do, why is it that we do the same dumb things over and over and over again? And the truth is a big part of it, a very, very big part of it, it results around the confusion between these two words that we talked about earlier, pleasure and happiness. Now, if you're new to church, then this whole idea might be new to you. And frankly, if you've been in church all of your life, this idea might be new to you as well. But do you understand that God created you with the capacity to experience both of these things? Right? God created you with the capacity to experience pleasure. God is the one who invented that. And God also created you with the capacity to experience happiness. Right? In fact, God is in no way against you experiencing pleasure in this life. In fact, God is the one who created sexual pleasure. Right? God invented that. If you don't believe me, read the end of Genesis chapter 2. Right? Creation is coming to an end, and God is like, okay, hang on, time out. I've got an amazing idea. Just saying. God is no more against you experiencing pleasure then he is against you experiencing happiness. This is not an either-or situation. The issue is that this is all about priority. It's not either-or. It is simply a matter of priority because when you prioritize pleasure over happiness, there is a problem because when you do that, ultimately you will get neither, right? Because happiness, right, the truth is, Happiness will lead to pleasure, but pursuing pleasure will exclude you from ever experiencing either of these two things. When your pursuit is always pleasure, you will not experience either of these things, but when you pursue happiness, you will experience both of them. Because eventually, right, eventually, and you know this, the truth is we all know this, every single pleasure eventually loses its pleasure, in fact, and ultimately, if we make pleasure the priority, pleasure ultimately will end up becoming a prison, right? You used to take half a glass, and now it's a full glass. Pretty soon it's two, then three, then four, and at the end of the night, you're yelling at other people, and you don't even know why, right? What happened? What used to be a pleasure has lost its pleasure because it became the priority, and now, now it's a prison. What began as a pastime, became a pathway. It became a habit. It became an addiction. And this is not about things that are illegal, right? This is not about things that are immoral. This is not simply about things that anyone would ever consider wrong, but in your life and in my life, any single, any time that we pursue pleasure over what it is that Jesus teaches and the scriptures outline as the principles that lead and point to happiness, any time that happens, at the end of the day when we do that, pleasure always loses its pleasure. Now, 2,000 years ago, it's the Apostle Paul who actually explains and unwraps all of this for us. Turn over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. It's on page 1,754 in one of those Bibles in front of you. We're going to begin with what the Apostle Paul says in verse 16. And the Apostle Paul, he begins this section of his letter to the followers of Jesus living in the city of Rome by asking them a little bit of a rhetorical question. And he says to them, don't you know? 
don't you know? And really what he says to them is something that we kind of understand, maybe intuitively, but he expresses it in a way that maybe is not so familiar sounding to us. And so what he says is this in verse 16. He says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? And it's like, no, I didn't understand that because I don't even know what he's trying to say. I mean, what does that even mean, right? And yet think about what the Apostle Paul is saying. Just look at it one chunk at a time. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves, when you say yes, 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 over and over and over again, when you say yes, I'll have another, I'll have another, keep it coming, keep it coming, let's do that again, let's do that again, let's do that again. When you offer yourselves and you obey, you are slaves to the one you obey. In other words, he says, when you continue to pursue pleasure over and over and over again, don't you realize you are becoming a slave to that pleasure? Don't you realize, he would say, that when you prioritize pleasure over following Jesus, you're no longer choosing, you're being drawn in? Now, see, the Apostle Paul is not against us experiencing pleasure, not at all. What he is helping us to understand is something about the nature of pleasure. He's saying, listen, you're giving up control. You're behaving like a slave. You're behaving as if you have to, not simply that you want to. Whether you are a slave to sin, he says, because right, whenever sin comes calling, you just open up the door. Whether you are a slave to sin, which leads, he says, to death, Right, Because sin always leads to death. Old Testament sin, New Testament sin, your definition of sin, sin always kills stuff. It kills your self-image, it kills your relationships, it kills your marriage, it kills your friendships, it kills your relationship with your kids. Anywhere there is sin, something is dying. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, either you offer yourselves as slaves to sin, which leads to death, or, he says... There's an alternative. There's an alternative. And now he leans into what it is that Jesus just says. He says, or you can offer yourself to obedience to God through Jesus, which leads to righteousness. And righteousness is nothing more than a fancy New Testament word that simply means a right standing with God or a right relationship with God. And so Paul says, he says, listen, don't you know Don't you know that every single day of your life you are offering yourselves to something, either sin or righteousness. And when you offer yourself, when you say yes over and over and over again, you are serving something. He says you can either serve sin or you can serve your heavenly Father. And so what does all this mean? What do these two sections of Scripture mean that we've looked at today? What are the Scriptures, how does this connect back to what it is that we've learned over these last several weeks as we've talked about this subject of happy? That sin always takes. That Jesus always gives. And blessed are those. Happy are those who have peace. Peace with God peace with yourself and peace with those around you. See, this is what Jesus offers. This is why Jesus says, follow me. 
And listen, understand this. This is happiness. Because think about it. Every single happy person you know is at peace with themselves. Every single person you know who is happy is at peace even with those people around them, even the people around them who do not want to be at peace with them. And every single person you know who is in fact truly happy, they even have peace with their heavenly Father. And see, this is why the Apostle Paul says, don't you know? Don't you know that when you continually, when you continually, when I continually say yes to something, to anything, don't you understand, he says, that you are becoming a servant or a slave to the one that you obey? And if it is not the good shepherd who is for us and who leads us to happy, then ultimately we will not have either pleasure or happiness. And see, here's why this is so important, because this is the point where we get ourselves into trouble. We get ourselves into trouble in those moments when we are feeling unhappy and we immediately want to do something to make ourselves feel better. Right? Isn't that when we get ourselves into trouble? I'm feeling unhappy, so I need to go shopping. I'm feeling unhappy, so I'm going to go stop by the wherever. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to go call so-and-so because I know they have some. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to call her. I'm going to call him. I'm unhappy, and so I need a quick fix for unhappy. Isn't it true? It's in those moments that we make those decisions that ultimately undermine our own happiness. And see, Jesus says, I love you enough to tell you the truth. There is no quick fix to unhappy, but I will lead you to happy. And I will teach you to sow and to harvest your way there. But as long as you keep saying yes, as long as you keep saying yes to pleasure over and over and over again, thinking that somehow by doing that, that's going to be a quick fix for your lack of happy, Jesus says, listen, ultimately, you are going to undermine your own happiness because you have become a slave to the one to whom you give your obedience. And so Jesus says, happiness is found at the harvest, right? So in the direction of happy. And ultimately, right, not immediately, not this afternoon by 5 o'clock, not tomorrow morning, ultimately you will feel better. But if your response to unhappiness is I've got to do something right now to fix my unhappy and to feel better, then ultimately you are undermining your own happiness. And see, the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, right, somehow we know this, don't we? Because the truth is, every single one of us in this room, even me, me included, we all know what that thing is that we reach for in those moments when we are unhappy. And see, this is why you've heard me say so many times, right, that following Jesus, following Jesus, even if you have questions, Following Jesus, even if you have doubts. Following Jesus, even if you're not sure that you believe about Jesus, what I believe about Jesus, or what we believe about Jesus. Following Jesus will make your life better. But it's not instant. It's not immediate. It's not a quick fix. It's sowing and sowing and sowing, and then ultimately harvesting. And so I've got to ask you a question today. It's kind of a tough question. 
And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to do, ask you to do anything like that. This, is only, this question is only for you. This is for you to answer to you, not for anybody else. But see, you owe it to yourself to answer this question because, listen, you deserve to know. And the truth is, only a thief, right? Only a thief will try to kill your relationships. Only a thief will try to destroy your future. Only a thief would not want you to answer this question. But here it is. Is there a pleasure that is actually undermining your happiness? And see, listen, I get it. I know why you don't want to answer this question because you feel like if you answer this question, then you have to do something about it. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm simply asking you the question, is there a pleasure that if you say yes to, if you continue to say yes to, that it is beginning to undermine your happiness? Is there a pleasure that if you continue to say yes to, it's going to undermine the happiness of the people that you care about the most? Let me ask it this way. Is there a pleasure that's slowly begun to take you prisoner because slowly you are losing your freedom to say no? See, the truth is only you know the answer to that question. And, and this is what I want you to know, is if you need me to tell you this, right? One day, one day you will wish that you quit opening that door. And when that day happens... When that day comes, you will look back on your life and you will wonder, why is it that I am in this moment so unhappy? And in that moment, what you will discover, as I have discovered and perhaps as many of you have discovered, is that in that moment, I have become my own thief. And I am, in fact, a sheep. And I do, in fact, need a shepherd. And perhaps today, perhaps today, by God's grace, you would be willing to trade your attempt at happy for a shepherd, a good shepherd who promises not to drain you of life, but to give you life and to give it to you to the full. Because that is an exchange that you will not ever regret. Now, I'm going to take this one step further, and then we're going to wrap up for today. And so, listen, I'm your pastor, and I care about you. And if I'm not your pastor, understand this is me applying for the job. Okay? I get it. I get it, because hard to believe, I know, but I was actually a man long before I was a pastor, so I know how all of this sounds to you, right? And I also know what I do anytime I hear something like this, because, see, I am smart enough internally not to sit here and go, okay, that's not true. The truth is we're all too smart for that, right? Internally, my response when I hear something like this is to say, okay, I probably need to do better with that. But listen, 
that is nothing more than a bunch of mansplaining for I'm not going to do anything with what I just heard. And women, you probably women-splain, but I don't know what that's called, okay? <laughs> but listen, listen, right? You hold the future happiness of your kids in your hands. The happiness of the wife that you haven't even met yet. The happiness of the husband you haven't even met yet. Your unborn grandchildren. Your future marriage. You hold that happiness in your hand. And if you continue to play the game the, we're all, the way that we're all so tempted to play it, this is the thing. You lose. Right? You lose, and they lose, and he loses, and she loses. But you don't have to lose, and they don't have to lose. Because, listen, your heavenly Father has given to you a good shepherd who wants to lead you and bring you to life and to happy. But the truth is, the truth is for many of us, right, to actually do anything with what it is that we've talked about today, the truth is it's going to require some extreme measures. Your happiness is going to require some extreme measures, right? Because for most of us, trying to cut back doesn't work, right? You've promised that before. You've said that before. And yet the truth is you're sitting here today and you are struggling with the very same thing that you were a year ago, five years ago, or 10 years ago, and nothing has changed. And see, I want you to be happy. I want to see you happy. And the moment you quit prioritizing your pleasure over your happiness, that will be a good day for you, but not just for you. It'll be a good day for everyone who loves you, everyone who cares about you, and everyone who is depending on you. Take out your outline, your sermon outline, turn it over onto the back side. On the back of your outline today, I listed out for you the four emotions that should be warning signs for every single one of us that we are most susceptible to falling for a thief and trying a quick fix for unhappy, right? Anytime that you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that's when you are at greatest risk for prioritizing pleasure over happiness. That's when you're going to go for the quick fix instead of the long-term cure. That's when you're going to be tempted to throw out everything that Jesus says about loving other people and even loving yourself. That's when you're going to be tempted to choose lust over love. And that's when you will be tempted to listen to the voice of the thief who tells you, don't worry, nobody's going to get hurt. That's the lie. That's the lie of the thief. He is trying to steal your future from you, kill your relationships, and destroy your life. But happy is found. Happy is found in the voice of the good shepherd who says to you, I am your good shepherd. I am here to lay down my life for you and to give you life, real life, abundant life, life that will never end. Follow me. Follow me, and I will lead you away. I will lead you away from the thief who wants to steal and kill and destroy everything about you, about your future, about your family. Let me pray for you today.
Heavenly Father, I have no idea where this lands for each of us in this room today, but I know how it lands for me. And Father, I want to pray very specifically this morning for the person whose heart you are just kind of speaking to and who you are poking at right now. Holy Spirit, please just give them the courage and the faith that they need to believe, Jesus, that these words are true, that your promise is true, not just for us, but for them, for me personally. That, Jesus, that you really are our good shepherd, that you do and that you will give us abundant life, and that, Jesus, that no matter what, you will forgive our sin. And that, Jesus, because of your grace, we are no longer slaves to the sin or the death or the lies that come from following the thief. Even when that thief is me. All this we pray, Jesus, in your name.